What happens when your dreams become so big they become a liability? They fucking drown you. The more people you meet, the more opportunities that are created. And so the podcast is a means for me to meet as many people as I can and hopefully fill that void. What if there's no other mountain to climb? That's super fucking scary. I remember one of the doctors said to me, you can't negotiate your way out of cancer. If you live life as an athlete, there isn't one game or one World Cup. It's infinite. It's just like, until the day you drop, I want to still play. I don't need any more watches. I don't need any more cars. I don't need any more houses. I've done all that at a very young age. My happy right now is like, to find people that are in that dark place and fix their problem. If you're in a shitty relationship, get out of it. If you're in a shitty city, get out of it. To you, it's, it's your perception, but you have to do it. And for you to do it, you have to go big. Ignore the ceilings. Yeah, go big on everything. So I've had a lot of questions kind of pop into my head through the last few days of us going back and forth a lot, right? I mean, sure. we were in the hotel hours last night going through notes for this show, all of that. And something that I've been personally experiencing a lot in life is this conversation of power versus force. You familiar with this conversation? Mm -hmm. So power just being like, you're in it, you're confident, you're allowing, you're also able to move things forward. And then force, which is like forcing things to move forward or forcing things to succeed. And so I've been to Tony Robbins, I've been to UPW, I've done a lot of personal development, right? And I've had goals my entire life. Mm. Uh, there's been seasons where I didn't like goals and there's been seasons where goals helped me thrive and really helped me get out of dark places, right? And the harmony of that is really interesting. And you've got more years on me, so my question is, in your experience of doing a lot of things at a very high level, from being in the Youth World Cup with soccer, football, to being a D1 athlete, to running all the real estate for the Qatar World Cup in mm -hmm. these last 10 years, which is ending in the next month, with all of that, there's this huge conversation right now around men being okay with like their feminine energy and to me that's power right is the ability to like be where you are and what you are in this moment but also have some force there without having to force everything however i've done like a few seasons of power right now and i'm noticing that i'm craving force really yeah hmm. i'm noticing that i i want to push things like as a as a joyful activity not so much that I feel like I need to, but it's fun mm. to push things. It's fun to use force. In your experience of successfully doing this World Cup real estate experience, what's your thoughts on power versus force in your own life and not necessarily accomplishment, but let's say like fulfillment and accomplishment? I don't think you control both the same way. I don't think you can have power and force or that you can switch between them i don't think you're given life doesn't give you that options you know so you're either going to have one or receive the other so it depends on the situation and the time and what you're trying to achieve but to assume that you can actually decide okay today i want to use power and tomorrow i'm going to use force i'm going to use or, or i want to have them both it, it doesn't work like that so when you want to use force, you have to be positioned to use force. That's not up to you. That's up to a gazillion variables outside of your control. 
power, on the other hand, is something that you can build up to or you can position yourself to. So I can position myself in this conversation to be in power. So I can bring you back to real estate. I can bring you back to construction all the time. I can bring you back to soccer. I'll be so bringing it to somewhere you feel comfortable, you feel or or powerful, Mm. right? But force is something that do I can I force this thing on you? I have to be in a position to force it, right? So I have to own the space around me, and that you will actually accept it. See, the problem with force is this: is that if you try to force things, you're usually forcing it on other people. So you have to be in a position where other people are forced to either adhere, listen, maybe be fearful of you or, or whatever. But, but that's, 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 that's a very difficult position. So you've played soccer too, right? So when you yell on a field, you don't have to be the captain. So the difference between power and force, if your players feel like you are dedicated, you are their leader without being a captain, that's the position of power. If I have the captain's armband, that's the position of force. See that difference? It's so not- So it takes time. It takes time to build power where force is. So it, it seems like when you're younger, right, you might have to use force more because you don't have the ability to be in power in a lot of situations. You don't have the experience or the reps or the competence. The, the worst The worst is the, is the fake force. Mm. Is like being a big guy, or or or, or being a, a rich kid, or being a being a VP, or or an executive, or C-suite. That's that. That's the worst force. That's. Um, but um, if given the choice, I would always use power over force, because that that positioning is so unique. You know, it you don't have to come from. Um, there's a build up to it. There's a lot of respect to it. There's a lot of love to it. There's a lot of. But the positioning of it is so different than force. Force, force is so temporary. Power is more permanent. There are people that are very powerful for a very long time, and they're very powerful, not with just the means. Do you know what I mean? So, like, there are people like you can't tell me that someone like um, a celebrity athlete, Michael Jordan, is still power. He can use force, not because he's a billionaire, but he's just power he's just a very powerful individual so at some point it becomes a part of who you are and yes. maybe you could bring it to anything that you do yes mm. yes and you built like is that. that a feeling how do we do that like if i'm gonna get if a new you skill. want it if you want it see some people want to be powered mm. not 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 have the power some people don't want the power because it comes with responsibility mm. it comes with risk it comes with um accountability N- not everyone wants that it's easier to say you, you're interviewing me, so you're in power. So if, if, if this doesn't turn out right, I'm going to say, well, it was his questions, it wasn't mine, right? Or I want to be in power, so I want to take over the mic, right? So even if you try to force me, I'll still push back, and that's the position of power. And that's when they collide. That's when they always collide. And it sounds like confidence might be a prerequisite to being in a place of power. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you position yourself to be confident. So I will not have a conversation with something that I don't know about and pretend to be a know it. And that's not that I'll lose. I'm not going to. So if I'm interviewing a doctor, example, I'm not going to pretend to be a doctor because then I will 
I have no force or no power. Even if I own the podcast, even if I was the podcaster, even if it was, even if, 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 if even I paid her, but it doesn't work like that. Do you see what I mean? So power is, is, is my preference. And I feel like it's a, it's, it's a long-term thing and it's permanent. It's something that you strive for. It's, it's a leadership position. Um, it comes with its risks. It comes with its rewards. Um, it's a very singular type activity. It's a very lonely activity because you feel, you feel accountable for so many people. So that's power. Mm. Now at the same time, if you're around somebody else that holds that, that level of energy around them. Same power. That's nice, right? If you sit with someone who has, who's coming from a powerful position as well, then your power is to know when to let the other person have the power. Cause that person is not going to use that power against you or on you. See, it's like you're, you're playing chess. It's like, okay, I, I get it. So you're coming from a position of power. Here, I'll, I'll play this card to you. You play this card back to me. And then the conversation becomes really, really effective. Mm-hmm. A, lot, a, lot, a lot gets done with when, when two powers get together, whether it's a team or two companies or, or, or even a marriage, if they know how to play ball. It's when I need to hog the ball from a powerful position then it becomes damaging because eventually I get hurt because the power in front of me will eventually break me. And to some extent, maybe that's already where you start transitioning into force if you're hogging the ball, right? Yes. Like there's maybe a flow where you should be passing the ball and it, that would feel effortless. Right. And instead you, you put in effort and you're like, no, I am going to, you know, I'm going to die on this hill with my wife. Right. And just be like, no, we're right. going to put the toilet paper this way not the opposite way. Right. But, but even, even again on that force, it's almost superficial because it's very time relevant. Like I'm forceful, like on a steroid, I'm forceful uh, um, because the cards were stacked for me or I'm forceful because my position in the company. But when I'm powerful, time doesn't become relevant. I'm just powerful. I'm powerful in anything I do. I'm powerful in my relationship. I'm powerful uh, with my kids. I'm powerful with my friends. So I can be powerful and be tender. I can be powerful and loving. I can be powerful powerful and and caring. But when I'm forcing it, again, it's so temporary because you you can't force love. But I can come from a position of power and still love, right? It's a big difference, right? So it's massive. I can be, I can, I can be so powerful and yet relinquish power to give love to, to my kids and my, to my family, to the person I love, to, to just anyone. So let's say there's someone watching or listening right now and they, they feel like they're forcing a lot of things. Like there is a lot of resistance in their life. And everywhere they show up, they have like a voice in their head or, or everyone's looking at them funny or that's at least the way they perceive it, right? And they're hearing this and they're like, I want to show up more like MK or I want to show up more like all the guests on this show and be yeah. in a place where I can be in power and be able to pass the ball, right? What are, what are some things they can do to be more in that power and less in the force? A, you have to acknowledge that you're being in that position. You have to understand, you, you can't be 
forceful 24-7. If you are, then you're in the wrong position, period. So move, pivot out of that position in the first place. So if it's a relationship, get rid of it and just acknowledge it. If it's, if it's a job, again, get rid of it. If it's, if, if, if it's a degree, just don't do it. You see, see, what happens is if you're forcing it, you're not meant to be doing it. If I have to, and there's, there's, there, isn't a, there isn't a subtle difference between force and persuasion. So if I'm, if I'm convincing you of something, it's one thing. If I'm forcing you to do it, that you're completely not buying into it. So for those who are in medical school because their parents told them to, that's, that's a forceful position. You're still not gonna be a good doctor, no matter what you do. You know, so if you're forced in trying to pretend to be an entrepreneur, you're still not gonna be a good entrepreneur. Figure something else out. You see, so it's acknowledging that you're, that resistance, if you're facing that much resistance all the time, it's not because of what you're trying to do, it's because you're trying to do the wrong thing with the wrong person, you know? Let's say as soon as I hear that, it's like 17 things pop up for me. I'm like, wow, I'm, there's so much force. There's so much resistance. How do I prioritize that? I can't blow my entire life up all at once. How do I prioritize which things to begin shifting? Is there some core thing, like maybe my relationship first or my job first or my money situation first? Like what's the thing? Happiness. Mm. You know, just you being happy. That's, that's, the first, that's the first thing, always. Because you're on this earth for a very short period of time and you never know when it slides out. So if, if, if your entire life is a, is a rat race or what, I don't know, no, happiness goes first. If, you, if, you're not, if you're not happy or you don't know the path to happiness, if you can't see it, then <laughs> everything else takes a backseat. Yeah. Until you figured that out. Yeah. Mm. When did you learn this? With my daughter's sickness, like um, with uh, when we found out she had cancer, it was it was like lights out for me. Um, I was uh, it was two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I was doing really well financially right before the recession, and I remember my wife calling me, telling me um, that her bladder is is, is swollen and she's going to take her to the doctor. I'm like, okay. At that How time, old was she at this point? She was uh, one b between one and two, mm -hmm. and um, uh, at that time, I was pretty at the peak of my arrogance. I was young. Uh, I was making really good money. I had like a a blacked out Hummer. I was, I was like a confused rapper kind of version. Most are, most real estate people have massive egos because we just build things. So it's like the bigger the better, right? Um, and I remember when she called me, she's like, yeah, they're, they're saying it's cancer. I'm like, what, what is cancer? I knew what cancer was, but I, perception for me was like, no, she doesn't have cancer. And then, um, you know, it, it, it took me, it took me hours to actually understand what's going on. She's like, no, it's cancer. Like as in cancer, as in tumor, as in a cancerous tumor. I'm like, okay, remove it. I'll finish eating and I'll come. I'm still not, not, I'm, you know what I mean? I'm like, a, in my mind, who do I negotiate with? Like, who do I talk to? There must be someone I'm gonna call. It's gonna make this thing go away. 
and I, it was just lights out, completely lights out. Like it was just, someone just turned it off. Like just, uh, yeah, it was, it was just super dark, super fast on a call. I think you're more accepting with, with, with illness generally with elderly, but with babies, you're like, it's really, really harsh, you know? So you go through a couple chemo sessions, trying to explain to her brother what's going on, her losing her hair. How old was he? He's 18 today, like five years. He's five, he's five years older than her. You know, trying to explain why she's losing her hair, that she's, she's gonna make it. And then it's like a good day is a day of just, oh, she may make it. Oh, we may figure this out. Cause it was called an undifferentiated tumor. So they don't know what it was. So they have to try different, it's trial and error. So can you imagine a conversation of trial and error of chemotherapy? With your one and a half year old daughter? <laughs> no. You know, so you go talk to a doctor, like you're trying to use all your skills and then you realize that all your skills are just muted. They're just like, you're, you're, it's zero. You're, you're nobody. You have no control in the situation. There's nothing you can do. I remember one of the doctors said to me, you can't negotiate your way out of cancer. Uh, you know, to, 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 to the point where it's like, um, we got to a point where that tumor was stable and they're like, okay, I think they, they said it was at the bottom of her spine. It was initially it was from her stomach all the way around to her spine. Um, and then, it, and then they, they, they came with the way to, to the bottom of the spine. It's like, man, that was like the happy day. So we had six months of like super happy. And then it came back ferocious, like it overtook. I remember having to calm down her doctor. Like, I'm like, I'm like, everything's gonna be okay. It's like, he's coming back too fast. And they're like, uh, what we need to do now is we need to do radiation. Back then radiation was like a microwave. So they would cure the tumor, but she wouldn't walk. So I remember the doctor, it was me, my wife, uh, and the doctor was sitting right there, my wife was to the left. And the doctor was like, we're gonna cure the tumor, but I need you to understand she's gonna be in a wheelchair. My first answer to her was like, fuck you. I just couldn't control myself. I'm like, fuck you, you don't, you don't decide. You, you don't decide. She's like, but I'm the doctor. I'm like, you're still not gonna decide. Um, and then we left the hospital that day. And this is where a lot of my philosophy on life comes from. There was a very old nurse that told me on my way out, she said, there's one doctor in Jacksonville, Florida, who does um, a different type of radiation, where instead of a microwave, it's more like a, a laser. And he's pediatric, why don't you just go see him? She took my wife, took my kid, uh, took, took Adam as well, and we just drove down there. And I literally jumped him to, to uh, no appointment, nothing, right? So I, I drove down from, from Atlanta down to, to Jacksonville. And um, I convinced him to see us, right? Just to hope that there's something there was a happy conversation, even in the car for like the five hour drive was like, 
maybe this actually works. You know, see, so you start becoming a dreamer again. You know, it's like, maybe it's not that dark. So we, I see him, um, I convince him, he was very kind. He saw her and he's like, yeah, sure. He did his MRIs and he's like, we'll start tomorrow. It will take this much time and then two more chemo sessions and you're good to go. And I'm like, what about the walking? And he said to me, what about the walking? I'm like, is she gonna walk? He's like, yeah, she's gonna walk. And she's with us today and she does walk, right? She may have a limp, but she just, she still walks. And it's like, that's that happy I could never replicate in my life. So there's no money that I can make or no businesses I can build um, that can replicate that happy. Because that, that moment of hearing that is actually more happy than the actual thing actually happening. You know, so she being around is one thing, but someone telling you that she's gonna be around walking versus a wheelchair is like a completely different conversation. So my happy today is like, how many people are like that in the world? So to me, my happy is like, I don't need any more watches. I don't need any more cars. I don't need any more houses. I've done all that at a very young age. My happy right now is like to find people that are in that dark place and fix their problem. And that's my, that's my happy. And it's, 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 it's a, it's a burden in itself. And it's, it's so contradicting because that happy then becomes heavy because you want to get to that happy and you, you know how much it takes to get to that happy. So you do this podcast because you want to do that happy thing. It's a, you know, like you want to get to more people so fast. You want to find as many opportunities as you can to get to that happy place. Cause you know what it's like. You, you've actually, it's like, it's like that high. If you felt that high from a certain drug, only you can explain it to others if they've never done it, right? So I want that high again. It's just trying to explore it. It sounds like something I'm, I'm learning in this moment that maybe you've pieced into words or maybe not is we're having this conversation around power in the beginning mm -hmm. and how experiences and context and skills will give you more and more mm -hmm. potential for power. And when people look at hard times in their life or good times in their life, the dynamic range of that, the expansion of the happier and the darker mm -hmm. will expand your potential for power. So it's sort of saying, if you heard that initial conversation about power mm -hmm. force, if you want to be the person that can walk into a room like Michael Jordan and have that level of power, you need to accept the really hard times and the really great times and maybe even lean in. A lot of people won't like what I say, but it's impossible to be that happy without the power. It's impossible. So the level of happiness that Jordan had winning at the level that he won, making money at the level he won comes from his power. What it takes to get to that power is a different conversation. Um, what you're born with in terms of talent is a different conversation, but to get to that epic happy level, hmm, you've got to have that power. Mm. The forceful one doesn't work. Forcing anything does not make you happy. It's a very temporary one, very temporary one. It's for, um, it's, it's a very selfish one usually. Uh, we kind of talked about it yesterday, right? Where yeah. you, 
got on a plane for 15 hours yeah to come here and do this for yeah. four days yeah and then you're flying back home yeah 15 hours yeah during difficult times too because mm. you got to put in the hours mm. you got to put in the work and so if you didn't feel that inspired I you'd be forcing it correct but in this scenario it's power because it is correct. that level of inspiration correct so what changed in your life after you had this success with your daughter's treatment. What did you change about your own life? It, I just realized that there's no limits. There's no ceilings. They tell you there's ceilings. They don't know nothing. You know, so there's a doctor telling you that she's not gonna walk and you say, fuck you. And then she's walking to that, say, fuck you again. Right, so you don't, you know, there's no ceilings, but you have to accept the good and the bad. So I'll put, I'll put in the effort, I'll put in the 15 hours, I'll come and do this. And I'll be jet lagged and hope that this turns out to be perfect and da da da. But on the results side, I'll dream big, but I'll not try to control the results. So if you call me in a month or two and say, we got eight views, I'm not gonna be mad. I'm like, okay, we'll go at it again. You know, so that, that's the position of power. But if I'm forcing it, I'd be like, okay, so skip. I'm gonna fly 15 hours. We're gonna do these eight episodes. What's the viewership gonna be? Or actually how many likes am I gonna get? Or how many followers am I gonna get? That's a very forced position. But if I come here and be like, it could be a billion people. It could be one clip, it's a billion people. It goes, it goes mega viral, mega viral. So I walk into, the, in, into this making sure that everyone in this room that I interview and everyone, the crew, what can we do together? You know, how can we all win? Because it's just a multiple, right? So instead of me just trying to win myself, what if I win me, you, and who's with you and your audiences and that? It's just multiples. So it just makes me just that, that much bigger. That's a position of power. So I walk in, you know, I don't have to act like a boss to be, to be in a position of power, but I have to give that power and share it with everyone here. You know, do you see what I mean? So mm. th that's the way I think of it. And it was just a couple years after this whole ordeal when the World Cup contract happened, yeah? 2010, yeah. I'm assuming going through that experience is a big part of what led to that happening, yeah? Yeah, but but again, you have to position yourself. So So it was announced in 2010, and I, I positioned myself to be like, I used to play the game, I love the game. I'm in construction. I can wear both hats. I can be Western and I can be Middle Eastern. I can be MK, I can be Muhammad, whichever one you want. So I'm the right guy for the right thing. And so I just, that's again, not a forced position, it's a position of power, right? So you use the tools that you're given. And then again, it's just like a deck of cards. Like I had no idea when I moved what was gonna happen. I moved in 2012. I had no idea. And I left something very lucrative. I was making really, really good money when I left Atlanta. Um, with, I was putting in like an hour or two a day, max, of work. Um, and I was making Why very did you good. say yes? Why did you take this if, if you had such a good thing? It's just your dreams. Mm. It's just being part of something mega. And being part of something mega when you are... What does that look like? Like how mega are we talking? Like I don't even fully comprehend what you were doing and what you're still finishing. What, what is that? Think of building something so big in a very small place, um, 
that happens once every million years that it will be there. So you build and you're part of it. So think of a million visitors in one city, let's say LA, a million visitors from all over the world to come to watch this spectacle. And you're part of it on a mega. So I say that and I'm, and I'm, and I'm cautious because not everyone who's working on the World Cup is part of the World Cup, right? So I'm fortunate enough to say, no, I'm part of it for real, because I, I'm fortunate that my company is actually building stuff that's very relevant to the World Cup. So I'm very appreciative of that. It's very different than a, someone who's, you know, on a peripheral, you know? So it's like, there could be a gazillion people working for the World Cup or part of the World Cup, but they're not feeling the same way I feel. But when November comes, I'm like, man, I worked hard for this. Man, this was like, this was a long time. You know, because even though we, my company didn't build any of the stadiums, but we built a lot of the facilities for the actual World Cup. So that's, that's, that's uh, it's, it's, it's mega when you, when you feel like, man, a million people are gonna come through this. And it's, it's like building an airport. It's that feeling, it's like, wow. You know, it, and it's a permanent fixture of your life. That's now going forward, you're in this phase of exploration. You're you're going into a journey that a lot of people go through. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Why this? Why why come here and film this and have this whole crew and make a make a podcast of all things? I learned recently that um opportunities come from people. And when I say opportunities, I don't mean just the money part. So the more people you meet, the more opportunities that are created. And so the podcast is a means for me to meet as many people as I can and hopefully fill that void because I'm, I'm so fearful of that void. What you is know, that void? That after the World Cup, what happens then? You know, the vanity of saying, I work on these mega projects. I'm part of this mega company. I, you know, I make this much and do all that. Like, 5,000 men on site, you know, the ability to fly 15 hours and fly back, all that is, is mega, you know? So I'm, I'm fearful of what comes next, you know? And that, that void is, is super scary. So I do this podcast hoping that as optimistic as I am, I'm scared shitless on this side. I'm scared shitless, like scared shitless. I'm like super scared. You know, and maybe the, it, it's that fear that pushes me to do this thing and to actually face it. And then what, I don't know what happens if I don't find it. What if there's no other mountain to climb? That's super fucking scary. Have you been there before? Yeah. 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 What happens when your dreams become so big, they become a liability. They fucking drown you. It drowns you. You know, and you drown by yourself because you're, it's so single. You're just so alone. I can't, I can't express that to you. I can try, but if you don't want to, you, you look at me like, are you high? What are you saying? What do you mean another mountain? What does that mean? Don't you have what you have? Wasn't the mountain your daughter being cured or wasn't the mountain you making this or wasn't the mountain the first watch? Like you get your first watch you get your first special vacation, you get your first second home, all the materialistic stuff, 
gets extinguished so fast. You have no idea. So cheap fame is not, is not an issue nowadays. I could do that. It doesn't even cost that much anymore. But finding that purpose in life is such a burden. You have no idea. It, it's, it, it's, a, it's a liability. It's a liability. Especially when you can. See, that's another problem. If you can do stuff, then that burden becomes even bigger. But if you're handicapped by anything, whether, see, Think of it like this. What if, what if I told you life's like a poker game, right? So you got all these cards, right? You're never the dealer, never ever the dealer. You have to come to play, you have to decide to come to play. That's the decision you make. Someone deals you a hand. You don't know what's, what's in here. You have to play though. So sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Sometimes you win so much, sometimes you lose so much. But you have to make the initial decision to come to the table and play, where others don't, right? So your burden is what? What if you're good at poker? What if you know you're good at poker? What if you've tasted success at it? And you've tasted the losses, what do you do then, right? Now, what if you can't find the next poker game? What if there are no other poker games to play? How scary is that? That's super scary because you're so used to playing poker, right? So you get so comfortable with the risk and the fear of losing it all, that rush, you know? But if you're not invited to a poker game, if you don't go find the next poker game, that's a miserable place to be if you're good at it. That's a super miserable place to be. And that's, 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 that's my biggest fear, if I can't find my next book again. <laughs> so how does this all tie back into the family now? Like, how do you I think do everything that you do at this level and have a wife and two kids? Right? Yeah. Like, she... Uh, she's a champion to understand like where I am. Like she, she understood it when, when we got married, she, she used to tell me, you don't see the ceilings and you keep going. Now we can't all come with you, but be sure to visit us every once in a while. You see? So while you're just cracking through, we're cool, we'll support you. Just make sure you come back every once in a while, not necessarily when we need you, but make your presence felt. Mm. Because I, I go home and I, I go into my office. I, I say hi, but I start making my calls. Just the time difference between us here. Think of like when we have a Zoom calls. And it's like, so it's like 20 hour days. And I'm not doing it thinking I'm sacrificing anything. And I'm not doing it because I'm like, oh, poor me, it's so much effort. I'm loving every moment of it. You know, so I, I, it's power, not force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fully aware of it. So if given the choice, I'll do, redo it again. So have I missed the, have I missed the birthdays, the picnics? Da, da, da? Yes, 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 I have. I sure have. Do I regret it? No. Do I think I'm wrong doing it? No, no. Do I think I'm, I'm a bad father? I don't think so, no. 
Do you bring your your kids in on some of these things? Yes. And tell them what you're doing. All of it. Hmm. Like that, you bring them to the sites and the- all of it. I tell them exactly what I'm doing all the time. Um, but you know, all these cliche things that you have to do are just not real. Is it important to be at the birthday? Yes. Is it the most important thing? No, it's not. It's not. There are much more important conversations that I have to have with my kids at certain times of their lives that are so much more important than me dressed up for the, as a clown for their birthday. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And so everyone hides behind societal norms like, where are you there for the birthday? No, I wasn't fucking there for the birthday, but it doesn't really matter because it was like two hours of their lives. And I took pictures with them anyways at a different birthday, but I was there when it mattered more. Oh, you mean you were there for the graduation? No, fuck you, you're going to the graduation. That's, that's, not, that, that's, not, that's what you think is the most important moment. It's not, it's not. Your kids and nourishing your kids are not these, you know, they're, they're not dates on calendars. When he graduated from high school, is no different to me when he graduated from middle school. It's just, that's not, that's time, that's not, that's not time relevant to me or to him. But being there to him as a father, on WhatsApp is so much deeper and meaningful to him and to me than your stupid societal, you know, norms that you want me to adhere to. If there was one core message, like I like to say, if we get hit by a bus in two hours, and this is like some of the last words you get to share with the world, coming back from all these experiences that we've talked about, what what's that core message? Go big. Ignore the ceilings. Yeah, just go big all the time. Just go big on everything. Just, just do, just do big. Just do better. And don't force it. Don't for, never force it, and just never accept it. Mm, so it's like go big, don't force it. If you feel like you have to force it, change direction. Yeah, go big again. And swap big for. I don't. I don't want to use happy, but if you're in a shitty relationship, get out of it. If you're in a shitty job, get out of it. If you're in a shitty business, get out of it. If you're in a shitty city, get out of it. To you, it's, it's your perception. But you have to do it. And for you to do it, you have to go big. And in saying that, you're also saying that there's always another. There's always another relationship. There's always another job. There's always another Everything's city. a relationship. Mm. This thing we're doing, the relationship, the audience is a relationship, the cameraman's a relationship. Everything's a relationship. We're always transacting as humans. We just get confused. There's always another poker game. Absolutely. At it's anywhere. somewhere. But you have to go play. Mm. You know, so for you to go play, you have to either be allowed to play, get invited to play, or own a place to play, right? Or be the best at it, so they want you to be there. They're so, so there are people that are gonna listen to me like, it's easy for you to say. Like you get to fly to LA and do a podcast, so you can talk about poker games. Somewhere and somewhere is gonna say, I, I know I'm gonna hear that. Someone's gonna say that. But I didn't come from that. And I don't have anything special. I don't have, I have zero talent in anything. I'm average at everything. I'm subpar at everything, everything, right? Subpar at everything. But I go play poker all the time, all the time. I'm playing poker now with this Where'd thing. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Qatar and then I moved to Atlanta. Then I went back to Qatar and then I don't see what happens next. What was the family situation like? Um, average, everything was average, except for me playing soccer. 
that was the one thing that I had going for me. That man, I felt that taste of stardom at a very young age because of that game. And I loved it. And when I lost it, that was the biggest fucking void I ever have in my life. Massive void. When I graduated from college and I thought I was gonna go play in the MLS, and the MLS wasn't anything at the time, not like what it is today. And so I went from being, there's this dream of being this, and then I had to be a civilian the next day. And I'm like, what is that? Like, how do you do that? I had to go do interviews and go do a job. And it was weird. It was weird. That was a very difficult time for me. Yeah. I still live life as an athlete. I choose to. So if you think of life, think of it, think of life um, as a stadium, whether it's football or soccer, think of you playing on a team, think of the stadium being packed with fans, say that it's 100,000 fans, those that support you, those that envy you, those that hate you, those that love you, yeah? And there's an opponent on the other side and you work so hard, you practice day in and day out for this game. And anything can happen during that game. You can get hurt right before the game. You can get hurt during warm up. You can miss the goal that matters to everyone. You can score the goal that matters to everyone, but you still go to play, right? The difference here is like, if you live life as an athlete, there isn't one game or one World Cup. It's infinite. It's just like, until the day you drop, I wanna still play. Okay? If you could play any poker game, if you could envision the future post-World Cup for you, what game would you wanna play? I wanna play a people's game. That's why I'm doing this podcast. Like I, I miss that part of being, of just meeting people and, and seeing what opportunities are out there. You know, I'm, I've, been, I've been in a very confined environment to this massive project for a very long time. You know, so I, I want to get back out there and just meet people and see what the, what they have to offer. Different cultures, different religions, different everything. That's, if I, I could put that. some words to it, you're trying to find a path of power. Yes. Mm. I'm always going to look for that. Mm -hmm. You're going to go visit stadiums for a while. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, D definitely. Definitely. Look, all this stuff is your perceptions. It's in your mind. You know, so I'll, you know, there are others that are working in the World Cup that don't think it's that big to them. They've done it before, it's, just not, it's not that meaningful to them. It's meaningful to me. Maybe it's meaningful to me because I didn't get to play in the World Cup. So making it, I'm making it a bigger deal than it really is, right? Because I want to believe so that it is, you know? So it's all your perception. So it's, it's, if you control your mindset day in and day out and don't let anyone fuck with that, you just keep going, you keep finding these poker games. When you're in a really, really tough time, do you have an internal monologue? What's, what are the things that bring you back to center? I, I refuse to think of anything as tough. I, I don't, I, it, it's just a card. I just know it's temporary. So no matter what, I've just learned to understand it's just like, if it's tough, it's temporary. If it's happy, it's temporary. So happy is temporary, tough is temporary. So I'm not, I don't think of it like that. I'm, I'm willing to lose and I'm very comfortable losing. It doesn't fade me. It doesn't, it doesn't scare me. So it's hard for me to tell you after what I went through with Dana to say, 
something can can be comparable. Mm-mm. So I could, I could lose it all now and restart and not fear what tomorrow brings. You know, yeah. Just to, my biggest challenge is just the patience. I'm not patient. Like I want it all, I want it all now. You know, so it's it's contradicting in in what I say, but that's the truth. Mm. So, so and I you smile I, while you say it. Yeah, yeah, because because I'm aware of it. Because you know, it, again, it's perception. Like, what is tough? Losing someone you love. Um, losing a business, losing money. Um, medical stuff is, is is scary. Anything with your health, scary. But that's tough to some and not tough to others. There are people who are completely handicapped, who have a very, very positive outlook on life, and there are billionaires on yachts who are miserable as fuck. So I don't know what tough is. Yeah, I've, so I don't think of tough. I think of happy. If you guys loved this show and this episode, <laughs> please go leave a rating and a review and let MK know what you loved about this episode <laughs> and all of his other episodes. MK, thank you so much for doing this Thanks for, for having all me. of us. Thank you. And uh, it's a pleasure.